All right. All right. Yep, we're recording. Good deal. Gotcha. All right, folks. Uh, sorry it's been so long since the last recording. Um, I've been super busy and uh, family stuff and down at the river getting buzzed on a beach and, <laughs> and out in the boat and, and having a good time. And, uh, yeah, just work and everything. So sorry I haven't gotten back to everybody. But um, I've got the one and only Aaron Hip with me. Uh, with adaptive tuning system, the uh, the new Gucci barrel tuner that uses your existing muzzle threads. That way you don't have to get any extra muzzle, muzzle threading on the OD of your barrel. Um, you know, so if you want it, you put it on. If you don't, take it off and your barrel is no different. You have no machining costs for it uh, other than if you don't have your muzzle threaded already which everybody in this game does. So, I mean, fucking factory rifles are coming threaded, so it's not a big deal. Yeah. But before we get into the uh, the tuner and all of that, I, I want to... Well, first of all, congratulations coming off of a second... A damn near first place finish, uh, but a, a strong second place finish at a tough match, the match that I... Most recently, ate shit in, and, and and Aaron came almost came home with a W, but got an awesome second place finish. Tucker is a a great shooter. Y'all squatted together. Y'all shooting together. So yeah. so t- tell me a little bit about how how that match went for you from from start to finish. Uh, you know, I've never shot there before. Um, so, you know, I kind of signed up at the last minute was like, ah, it's a qualifier match and, you know, it's not all that far away. So I figured I'd head down there. You know, I squatted. Where are you actually currently located? So I live in Ohio. So I'm in Columbus. You're all the way in Ohio. Holy fuck. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, all right, you know, I've, I've, I've got an available weekend. I'll sign up and I'll head down there. Uh, you know, I've run 647 for years and just, you know, recently was like, eh, I think I'm going to try the BRA for a little bit and was messing around with it here. And I'd been messing around with it with the barrel tuner and and the results were great. And so I'm like, oh, I'll get on the Pig River. I've never shot it before. We'll see what happens. And, you know, squatted with a bunch of guys that I've never really squatted with before. And um, I never met Tucker before. And, uh, you know, it was it was a really good match. I like those types of matches. I like field matches like that. Um, you know, where I live, I, you know, my backyard is nothing but farm field. So, um, I kind of enjoy that. There's, there's not a lot to go off of wind does weird things. And, you know, this time of year you get the, the light conditions that just can, can really deal you one with no real explanation why. And, you know, day one was going great. Um, I was shooting, shooting pretty strong in the last stage of the day. Um, I was like a half mil high on everything, and you we're know, gonna come back out. to that because remember, yeah. me and you both, we found out that we both had the same issue on the same exact stage. Yeah, there there were a number of people on that, um, and, and I've seen that plenty of times. Like shooting across farm fields, you get light conditions in the early morning or in their you know late ne- or early evening when you know, either the air temperature is warmer than the ground or the ground's warmer than the air temperature. And there's that, you know, one's heating and one's cooling and, and it just shifts your shots. And, you know, it, I've tracked it for, for years here. Scott, you know, Scott at Vortex is, you know, he's got a good video out there online of a spotter on a target at the grand and, you know, the, the reticle just dances, right? I mean, I think he took a time recording over a couple hours and you can just watch the reticle dance around. Um, yeah, but you know, 
anyway, last stage of the day, he had some goofy things, you know, with the light come in. And, you know, I ended up dropping like six points on that stage at the end of the day, which put me, I think, three behind first place at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is what it is. I mean, I've seen it before. You you can't really adjust off of it. It was nothing that the rifle was doing. And then we started out the next day and, you know, Tucker and I kept trading. I wouldn't say we were trading spots, but we were right there neck and neck the entire time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're chasing each other kind of thing. Yeah, and, and it's fun. Like, that that's just fun, especially when you've got somebody that you, you know, you get along with them, and you're just having fun shooting. I mean, it's not about who wins or loses. It's, you know, you're just challenging each other and having a great time, and and, and that was really, you know, really fun, especially with somebody I've never met before. Um, so, I mean, we just had a good time shooting, and, you know, it, it literally came down to the last stage. Um, if he would have dropped one more point on the last stage – we would have tied and then I would have won because I beat him on the skill stage by a hundredth of a second. He, no, (laughs) no, no. That was actually something different. So, um, I, he dropped on the skill stage. I didn't. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You, a hundredth of a second before you got your last shot off on the last stage. It was like two stages before that I broke my last shot a hundredth of a second over and it impacted, but it didn't count. Right. Yeah, so okay, that's what it was. A second faster, we would have tied. You know, but I mean, you can do that all day throughout the match. Well, what if and I every did this match. or did that? Right? I mean, there's absolutely it was fun. I can't complain. Um, I was actually fire forming from BR to BRA down there that day. So there were a few people <laughs> that I talked to were doing the same exact thing. A buddy of mine, um, uh, from my from my squad, it's a really good friend of mine, Eric uh, Burrell. He uh, he was fire forming. Um, from BR to BRA that day, and uh, actually, kind of find out he found out uh, in the afternoon or the evening of day after day one that he was leading the majority of day one. And wow. mind you, he's never top. I don't think he's ever top five to match in his life. He was, and he was obviously in my squad, and he was, he was like shooting. I mean, he's a great shooter. He's a better shooter than I am, but he is. Uh, he was shooting like, like outside of himself. It was like he was feeling himself for real. So he was he was killing it. He was shooting really good. I was proud of him. I uh, had a couple of mishaps day two and dropped a, a lot more shots. I think he ended up in the, I don't know, top 15 or at least top 20. Um, but, yeah, he was leading for apparently the majority or at least half of day one. So, yeah. uh, But there, I talked to a couple other people that I, I overheard that they were fire forming in that match. Yeah, I I fire formed this past weekend and you know I was I was doing really strong second to last stage of the day uh, was a rock stage and you know it's on me I don't I don't wear safety glasses and pulled the trigger on the rock stage and, and blew dirt in my eyes and you know I dropped a bunch of points on the stage it was just a you know it happens right it knocks you off your game you can't see that well and it, it is what it is. I mean, I still finished in seventh or eighth or something up there, but I was fire forming up there as well. Um, uh, I've run the tuner in both matches, uh, and it's you know it's it's been beaten up pretty bad. I've I've slammed it on barricades. I've run it into walls. I've I've done everything that you'd normally do to your rifle during the match, and it hasn't moved once, hasn't shifted. So those have 
you know, there's some out there that, you know, think it's going to rip your muzzle brake off the end of your rifle or your suppressor off the end of your rifle. I've seen some pretty, pretty funny comments, but it's, it's no different than anything else we have attached to our your, rifle. Your, bar- your barrel and your muzzle device, whether it be a, a brake or a suppressor, it doesn't know it's there. I mean, yeah. it's, it doesn't know. But before, and I, I want to, I really want to dive into the brake and everything. I mean, excuse me, the brake, the tuner and everything, but uh give me give the everybody listening a little bit of a background on on you uh, as far as how you got into shooting how long you've been shooting and just your journey to get you where you are now because when when you go into a match uh you know when people look at the roster hey you're you're honestly just as much of of talk of of taking taking first second and third as anybody else is so um, you know, you, you're, you're a very accomplished shooter. And so take us through kind of like the journey that, that got you here in 2020, man. Uh, I started out probably, God, it's probably, we, we were actually talking about this. Dave, Dave Preston and I were talking about this this past weekend, like how long we've all kind of known each other. And yeah, I think it was me, Dave and, and Mark Gordon. We were all talking like, how long have we been doing this? And I think I met Dave at the first Dave at a match like for the first time back in God, I want to say 2009, 2010 timeframe. Um, right. So a year, year or two after the PRS really came about. Yeah. And I mean, in, at that point, you know, I had already shot matches in, in Texas at rifles only. Um, I was still just getting started. I mean, I started out with an off the shelf 308, my first quote PRS rifle was actually a straight 284 Winchester. Uh, oh, it was, it, it was a different time back then. I mean, I, okay. you know, the first, first match I ever did decent enough to pick something up off the prize table was, uh, one of the sniper side cup matches. And I remember I picked up a Bartland barrel. And at that time, like six, five Creedmoor was the new hot thing. I mean, oh, that yeah. Gives, yeah. Like that's how long ago it was. Six, five Creedmoor was the new hot thing. That at one point I picked a barrel stirred up off of and, and built a 6.5 Creedmoor. But my first custom rifle was a 284 Winchester. Uh, and Mark Gordon and I had twins, right? Because Mark had, um, I mean, I knew Mark before he was like when he was still building rifles in his family's farm shop, right? It was yeah. one room, you know, about the size of a big bedroom, um, you know, and then, you know, he was working for, I think it was Cleveland Hospital, he was a helicopter mechanic, whatever. Um, but I mean, that a long time ago, right? So when he started short action customs, you know, we built up twin 284s because we were friends and he wanted to do some testing back then. And so they were identical, but slightly different for him to test some things with. Um, and it just progressed from there and, you know, shot more and different matches. And, you know, I think I went to one of my, my first quote PRS matches and a ton of positional. And I'm like, God, what is this? I mean, I, I was always, I was pretty decent prone, but. I remember going to one of my first PRS matches and it was down in Tennessee and, and they don't Cookville. And you might've heard people talk about Cookville before, but mm-hmm. and I had spent a lot of time since I think they've had a match down there. Um, and it was, you know, a bunch of farmland and I went there and showed up and I, I think I was like, I don't know, maybe seventh from dead last. I mean, it was like positional, never experienced it. And I remember walking out of there and, you know, I rode down with Mark and I told Mark, all right, build me a trainer. And so we built, had him build me a two, two, three trainer. And I think I probably put 10 or 15,000 rounds down range the next year. There you go. Just, 
practicing positional on that and, you know, did the same thing the following year. Um, but I mean, everything was completely different back then. It was carbon fiber, like go light, super, like it started out with, you know, normal fill stocks. And then it was, everything was carbon fiber and go super light and super light pump pillows. And, you know, now it's, it's taken full swing and it's back to heavy plus, right? It's like, okay, this is what it weighs factory. Well, how big of a barrel can I get in there and how much weight can I add to my chassis? And, um, it's interesting because now like all the stuff that we were figuring out years ago and the guys were figuring out long before I ever started was, you know, now you walk in and I mean, there's there's pretty much kind of the the PRS checklist. Like here's what you want to do. Here's what you don't want to do. Here are the bags you want to use here. The, you know, this is what you don't want to do. And it's for the guys that are starting out now, it's, it's so much easier to come in and and get up to speed quicker. Yeah, it's it's everything takes its time and goes through its metamorphosis from its infancy stages. And I mean, back when you started was basically the infancy stage of what we're doing here in 2020. And I mean, like you said, everything was the go lightweight and be fast and movement, which I think there still is there is some validity to that, you know, because like back then, AIs were considered too heavy. Right now, people can't find ways to add weight to their AI. And, and so, um, you know, I, I, like for me on my rifles, like I know that I have a weight limit to where I don't need to go. Uh, I don't want to go too far below it, but I know I don't need to go above it, which is about that 21 and a half pounds, because then I sacrifice my ability to to manipulate it in a smooth manner going because you know everything we're doing especially here in the southeast is super positional related it's it's hard for me to uh to wield a i mean i'm 160 pounds 165 pounds uh, it's hard for me to wield a 25 pound rifle that 21 between 20 and 21 and a half pounds is about what i've found to be optimal for me but back then it was 18 pounds was heavy you know (laughs) Yeah, no, you're, you're right. It was. And then, like I said, I mean, it's just, it's, I'm glad I got into it when I did. And I'm glad that the people that were in it were there. I mean, they, I mean, it was, it was completely different back then. I mean, I don't say it was completely different. Everybody was competitive, but it was competitive in the most fun way possible. Like, you know, and I, I remember all the guys that, you know, we shot with back then and, you know, it, it would be awesome to get uh, an original match back together and, and see a lot of those guys at the same match because people would be blown away. I mean, I've, I've seen a couple of them show up at matches and people are like, I don't know who that is. And like, hey, he's yeah, going to teach you one. Yeah, that's like, Terry Cross, he's gonna motherfucker. <laughs> that's Terry Cross. He's about to school your ass. I mean, you know, Terry Cross, Wade Stuteville, Jonathan yeah. Berry. I mean, like all those guys, like, you know, all Joe of those Joe Walls, Joe all Walls, those guys. Yeah. I mean, um, Tom, like, I mean, there were just, it, it was a lot of fun. Like, there was a lot to learn. You know, Brian Morgan was still shooting against you, and, I mean, he just crushed you. I mean, yeah, you don't want, you don't want him shooting, shooting against you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, guys with a lot of experience, you know. I mean, it, and, and it's funny. So, I was at a match at LRSE one year, and um, I still joke with Brian about it anytime I see him, like, shooting and you know i i would always learn something from him you know he'd be ro and or he'd be shooting or whatever and if you can figure something out he'd he'd explain it to you but 
Uh, I remember we were sitting in the lodge, you know, getting food after the match and just kind of joking around. And he's like, Aaron, I, I know what your problem is. Do you want me to tell you what your problem is? I said, yeah, sure, man. I'd love it. And he's like, you just need to shoot better. I'm like, all right, fair enough. Like, you know, it was. <laughs> well, that's easy enough. Yeah, everybody just helped everybody. And it was it was about learning, right? It was about learning and having fun and just hanging out with friends. Um, it was it was a blast. I mean, I learned a lot. I mean, I, you know, the the guys that are coming into it now, I mean, they're they're never going to know how a super lightweight rifle handles on a pump pillow and, and running slings. And, you know, it, it was a great learning experience. I mean, you you learn so much. But like I said, now, I mean, you can come in and and pretty much spin the rack around and, and pull the five things that you need. And, and you're pretty good to go. You're going to be at a pretty solid spot. Yeah, it's it's almost like here in in, in today's uh, shooting world, there's almost like a, a PRS starters kit. Like you need this, uh, this, 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 bam. And, and it wasn't a there wasn't a fig, there's no figuring it out anymore. It's um it's basically has been figured out for you where people that have been in the game as long as like you, Brian, Terry uh or even frank and all of these guys have have got it figured out y'all y'all have already y'all figured it out and y'all have trial tested everything leading up to this point and you know what doesn't work and what does work you know so it and and the shooting in and of itself has changed a lot given it had to because i mean ballistics have gotten so good bullets have gotten so good the rifles are just so fucking accurate the i mean all the equipment advancements and everything you're having to go to instead of that that you know two and a half moa target you're having to go to a one and a half to one moa target just to keep it competitive yeah you know and especially with calibers today it's been a really cool life cycle to see things change and see things improve and it's you know it's it's exciting and scary at the same time to you know figure out where we're going to be in another 15 years i mean um, yep. it's, it's rapidly changing, but I think it's rapidly changing for the, for the better. Right. I mean, seeing the things in PRS trickle down to the, the law enforcement and military communities, um, and anything that can help those guys put, th- put rounds on target is, is a plus, right. And it, it's great to see these types of things, making it to them and, and improving their capabilities. Yeah. You've got dot, dot gov guys carrying game changers out in the field. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I like stuff like that. Go light fill has made it even more conducive for whether it be given law enforcement or, or military and, and all that stuff. It's it's been really it, it, I agree. And I, I feel like they they both the the mill LEO side, I think they uh, um, influence the civilian side a lot but i think the civilian side equally if not more so influences the dot gov and and leo side because i mean look at a lot of your tier one units in in the military and also um you know in law enforcement they're going to where they're going to civilians you know down you know down in texas or up there at hat hat creek uh, with Brian or all these places, they're going to civilian guys. And a lot of these guys have never served before. They're not coming to people that have former military like that, like they are to some degree, like Kalen and Phil. And these guys were, you know, uh, were scout snipers, but 
you know, the guys that are, you know, they're kind of not, I'm not going to say they're just getting in the game, but they're still both, you know, even Kalen is still a, um, he is the next, both of them are the, the next generation of, of the Brian Morgans, of the Jacob Bynums, of the, you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like the changing of the guard, but, you know, that still they're they're being influenced by and taught by civilians and and a lot of it you see um my friend really good friend daniel posey he's a uh an oda guy and you know him and bryce are both um green berets and they shoot more matches than i do every year and it's you know and it's it's awesome to see that um it's awesome to see that our guys that we're sending down range are at, at the top of their game to keep you know their guys safe you know what i'm saying it, it really feels it feels good to see that you know yeah i mean all those guys you mentioned are, are all great guys and they they definitely know their stuff and know what's going on and it's it's great to know that they're they're influencing and teaching the the guys that are out there you know keeping us safe it's i mean you couldn't ask for anything better yeah, it's hard. I mean, I mean, maybe this is just my um, American arrogance uh, kicking in because that does kick in a lot for, with me. But uh, I, it's hard pressed for me to feel like there's any, it, at least in this one little small sect of what we're talking about, it's hard pressed for me to think that anybody else in the world is doing it better than we are. You know what I'm saying? As as far as that whole, just th- that little small portion of what our what our boys do and I, it's hard for me to imagine anybody's doing it better than we are yeah i mean there's it, it's there's clearly more to their job than than just the shooting component but Absolutely. I mean, I, I, there's been a lot in the you know the precision rifle and the shooting sports you know communities that have um helped provide additional i don't i don't know what the right right phrase how to say it is but um there's an education to be learned everywhere, right? I mean, absolutely. We're learning every day. Everybody's learning something every day. Uh, if you think you know everything in this game, then you might want to just hang out and stay away from it for a bit. Because uh, I think, you know, if you're not learning something or, you know, figuring out something new or figuring out something that doesn't work, then, then you're probably not paying attention enough because it's when I got my pilot's license, you know, years and years ago. I remember, you know, the instructor handed to me and said, hey, man, this is a license to learn. The day you think you know it all, stop flying. And I, I think Absolutely. shooting sports are the same way. I mean, they're going to continue to evolve and grow. And, you know, you should be learning something every time you're out there. Yeah, if you have that attitude that there's nothing left to learn, then even when something comes up that you need to or can learn, you won't learn. You, yeah, you, you, will, you will refuse it. Yeah, yep. you'll refuse it. And and that to me that to me I no matter no matter how long I ever do this, I, I feel like I, I I hope that I will always have that spirit of always seeking knowledge. Like I would love we've never shot together. I would love to shoot with you and and you just tear me apart to say, Hey, that's what you did wrong. That's what you did wrong. This is what you did wrong. This is how you fix those three things. I, I mean, I would I would greatly take joy in uh, in doing that, you know, with someone like you or, you know, a host of other people that are, are, are much more accomplished and better shooters than I am. 
Yeah, and honestly, you'll probably learn. I mean, you, you learn things from everybody, and you'd probably have one person say, hey, don't do it this way, do it this way. And the next person would say, don't do it that way, do it this way. You know, there's everybody's got their style too, right? I mean, there's, hey, you know, there's no one way to make it work, but, you know, each person's going to say, hey, here's three really solid ways to make it work. Figure out which one feels the best for you, right? Right. Um, it, it has to be somewhat flexible. I mean, yeah, you can say, Hey, there's, there's kind of some foundational things you don't want to do, but as far as saying there's only one way to do something and one way to run something, you know, you, for me, I mean, I think you've always got to consider the person, everybody's different. And if something feels slightly better, you know, it, it may not be the most ideal way for you to run it, but if it feels slightly better for them, probably gonna be a little bit better for them to run it that way, but you never know. And, And that's the thing, like, I, you got to sit down and try it all and figure out what works best for you. Right. And, and I think that goes back to, you know, coming into PRS now, like the big bucket of things you can pick from has been really, really slimmed down to a, a small plate. Right. So you don't have to spend the time on the 15 things that may not work for you. You've got, you know, three or four really solid things that you know are going to work. Figure out which one you like best. So yeah, like for sure. A stainless barrel. I mean, it's, it's just, preference you know yeah i mean it's it's like what i've said and it's a, a, a old adage in the the working dog world the only one one thing that two trainers can agree on is that third guy's doing it wrong so <laughs> it, it, that's true but they're also that the, everything you said is 100 percent correct you know but on the to caveat that there i mean there are things like like wind well wind is going to affect everybody the same you know what i'm saying you know maybe not you know bullet choice or whatever but you know if it's five mile an hour when you're shooting it and it's five mile an hour for when i'm shooting it or 10 mile an hour both both of us shooting it then we both have to shoot for a 10 mile an hour wind and it's all about being able to read you know way to read things and and, and also things in efficiency of movement that's that's one thing i feel like i, I do pretty well yeah. in is is that I rarely ever time out. In fact, I tried to time out a couple of times and I succeeded, which I was pretty, you know, I'd rather time out knowing that I took my time on the shots rather than, well, yeah, I've got 10 seconds left on the clock, but I got six hits instead of maybe eight or nine, you know? Yeah. Slow, you know, slow hits are better than fast misses any day of the week. Every time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, okay, the tuner. Now, what got you um, what got you interested in doing the uh, – making and building a tuner? Uh, so, I'm a tinker by nature. Um, I'm, I'm an engineer by degree. Of, you know, my day job forces me to look at things, evaluate. So, so my day job, I'm, I'm a security consultant and I deal in like large transformational programs. And what you have to do is basically look at things and, and perform a gap assessment, right? Like here's what, you know, here's what we want the end state to be able to do. What does the current state look like? And what are the problems or challenges or hurdles that are going to keep us from getting to the end state? And then once you identify them, it's all right, how do we fix them? How do we get around them? How do we mitigate them? And so it's always a constant look at something tear it down to the lowest level and figure out why it does what it does and, and what you feel is broken and then build something up that you think is going to fix that. And so I kind of take the same approach with, with tinkering, right. And, and I love to tinker and it started 
years ago, but you know, I had a, a rifle at the finale two years ago that got knocked a couple years ago. I've been three now. A couple years ago, anyway, it got knocked over, and uh, you know, I had like a two mil shift at 500 yards. Mm. And so I came home. I, I tore it apart and tried to figure out what was going on. And you know, I did figure out what was going on with it, and I got it fixed. And then from there, it was like, well, can I make it better? Right? Like I, I mitigated and, and eliminated the shift that I saw down there. I identified the problem and I fixed it. Okay, well, is there any shift now? And, you know, it just kept going from there. But I've always been like that with Tinker. And, like, I've always been the why guy. Like, why does it actually do this? And so for me, it's always been, okay, figure out why. And then if you've truly figured out what or why something is doing something, then you should be able to create kind of another test that's going to make it fail. Right. So sure. if you know why, you know, a, a barrel or something shifts when you do X, then your test should involve like and you think you fixed it. Well, then your test should involve a, a guaranteed test that's going to make it break. Right. right. So I've always torn things apart. And so um, it, it's just the engineer in me. And I, I love learning. And, you know, I guess I'm, I'm a nerd, but um, I started looking at barrel tuners and I was just I, I really just wanted to learn about them. Right. I mean, it was just kind of that constant learning thing. And so I, I did a ton of reading on barrel tuners. There's a lot of great articles out there. I mean, barrel tuners have been around for 100 years. I mean, if you look up patents on barrel tuners, I mean, they, they go back to the 1900s and like early 1900s and 18, late 1800s. And they've been out there forever. Um, and I, I wanted to basically learn about them. Like, what effect do they have? I mean, are they valuable in our sport? Um, and I looked at all the designs that were out there, and it really came down to – I. I don't want to have to thread my barrel to try something new. And I mean, for me, that automatically translated to, well, you know, another shooter is going to think the same thing. They're going to have to send their barrel off. They're going to have to wait for it. Um, and so I'm like, I want to learn about these things, but to learn about these things for me, I want to try them across a couple different rifles and calibers and barrel links and everything. And I don't like the designs that are out there because it doesn't really facilitate ease of, testing things for me because now instead of you know throwing one one barrel on the lathe in the garage i've got to do five or six because i really want to do it on different barrels and so i said i'm just going to make my own and like what would i want in a tuner and what kind of tuner is going to allow me to do what i want to do for these tests the easiest way possible and it was we've already got threads on the barrel can i make a tuner that leverages those sure can i make a tuner that leverages those but still going to allow me to use a muzzle breaker suppressor because in this game, that's a must. And so, you know, I kind of thought about it for 20 or 30 minutes and I walked out in the garage and I had a bunch of old uncontoured barrel stubs out there. Uh, and I just spun up the lathe and started cutting. And I had kind of the first piece. And I'm like, oh yeah, this, this looks like it might work. So, you know, I added threads to it and it just kind of went from there. And the first one I made was big and clunky. And I think it's sitting over here on the shelf somewhere. I, I kept it just for <laughs> historical purposes, but it, I mean, it looks Absolutely. like crap. Um, yeah, you got to keep it. You got to keep that. I mean, I think the first one I, I, I galled the, the weight to the, the internal collar. I mean, it, it was just big and clunky. I mean, I made it in like 20 minutes. Um, and then I made another version that was more refined and I started putting it on different rifles and testing it. And I'm like, this is really cool. Like these results are really cool. And so I went out and I did a little bit more reading and then it was all right. Well, what's the kind of the best way to dial in a tuner? You know, what's, you know, what's probably a, an ideal weight for this. Um, and really it just went from there and I, I would profile it and I'd take weight off and I'd, you know, figure out the results and the shift and, and it just kind of went from there and it went through multiple revisions and finally got to the point where it was like, 
man, kind of, this isn't that bad. Like, this is pretty cool. It works with all my suppressors. It's working with all my muzzle brakes. It's easy to use. I mean, I just spin it on and spin it off, put it on another rifle. Um, and I showed a couple people, and they're like, oh, that's interesting. I mean, it's ugly, but it's interesting. And I'm like, well, it's, it's not meant to be pretty. It's meant for me to learn with. Um, and then, you know, showed a couple people, like, what it would do just really, you know, they were kind of interested as well. Um, and then, you know, got a couple comments like, man, yeah, you should make that thing look better and, and, and make a couple of them. And so thought about it and then I kept hearing more of those responses. And finally I did and, and worked with someone to uh, help make it more manufacturing friendly. Right. Sure. Um, and and kind of came up with the, the profile and the weight of, of where it's at now. And, you know, had a had a couple prototypes made. You've probably seen I mean, people have seen me probably saw some of the early ones that were just silver. Um, they weren't coated or anything and started playing with those. And I'm like, man, these actually I really like this and showed a couple more people and, and people were interested in it um, and kind of bit the bullet and said, all right, we'll do a small, small run of them here and get them nitrided and engraved and, and just see how they turn out. And the results were I mean, they were just pretty amazing to me. I mean, I, I knew that you could, I knew what you would be able to do with them. I didn't realize, and it, it sounds horrible to say, I didn't have the confidence that the general public would be able to listen to instructions or be able to dial it and actually listen, right? And so, for example, let me listen to instructions. You know, it's got three set screws in it, um, or three holes for set screws in it. They're 120 degrees offset. Um, and that's just the way I put it, because when I first started messing with it, that's where it was. Um, and then I learned really quickly that if you put three set screws in it, that one's going to loosen up because it centers it up like a gimbal and doesn't work well. And so then I, I went to, you know, two set screws. It holds just fine. Went to one set screw. Holds perfect. Um, but I didn't, I mean, all of us are going to look at it and be like, well, three is going to hold better than one. And this thing's going to be on my muzzle. So, I mean, I had concerns that. You know, people are going to go out and put three in it and, you know, come back and be like, man, this thing doesn't hold, it vibrates loose. And it's like, well, just, just read the instructions. I know it goes against common sense, but pull two of them out of there and tighten one down and, and you're going to be surprised. Um, and then, you know, I had some some funny comments made on the hide about, um, you know, what it couldn't do. And so, you know, I was I had a couple of drinks that night, I think, and I'm like, <laughs> all right, we're, we're going to we're going to fix this real quick because I, I just don't really respond well to um, comments that are made with really no foundational backing to them. I mean, I had guys saying, well, you need one and a half times the thread diameter to hold it in place. I'm like, you're, you're using like structural engineering math for a a piece that's literally sandwiched between two pieces. Like it's not going to move. Like I get it. That's a mathematical equation for, for, for thread, but it doesn't apply here. Um, but, you know, there's a ton of experts online, right? So Well, another thing, if you don't think, and I'm not an engineer, I'm not an engineer, but the fact that that holds, that concept does hold true, but it holds true when the thing that is being threaded has to have some sort of like weight bearing or, or but yeah, this doesn't a, apply to that. It does, it, yeah, it's a job it's and what it's nature and what it's doing does not do that. Right. And so... I made a video that night and, you know, it was a good durability test. I mean, I, I beat the tar out of it um, and it's out there. You guys can look at it and, you know, I 
beat the crap out of it on a barricade. I beat it on a really a, a steel plate and wasn't friendly and, you know, spun the tires and my diesel on it. I mean, it just, uh, <laughs> Hey, it, it's fine. It's, it's going to hold. Right. Um, and, and it was actually, I mean, it was good data, right? I mean, I hadn't done that before. So, I mean, thanks to that guy for making the comments and, and me getting frustrated and going out and actually doing it. Cause it proved a really good point. Like one is fine. It's, it's not going anywhere. Um, I had run it in matches for months. I mean, so it wasn't vibrating loose in matches or anything, but you know, this is a good video. And I, that video in all honesty, probably, probably squashed a lot of people's concerns about, about the design. So, Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. It probably um, sold some tuners. Yeah. I mean, who knows? <laughs> I mean, um, it, it works. And, and like I said, the, the results that I've had from it have just been really, it's, it's been great data to like, see what you can do with these things. I mean, I, I never would have imagined that you could do what you could do with a tuner. Yeah. Like, I, I, I mentioned, you know, I mentioned, uh, after I got mine, um, back, uh, about a month ago or more. And, uh, I've only used it on one barrel so far. Um, that was my six Creed barrel with factory Hornady 108, um, ammo. And I mean, my, my rifle, I mean, it's, it, it shoots. I mean, it's as honestly, it's throated for that bullet or for that cartridge, um, uh, that particular factory ammo. And, um, it, it shoots it well, it shoots it, you know, without the tuner, with a with a suppressor or a, or a brake on there, it shoots it anywhere. When I shoot it well in the point, maybe high point threes, mid point threes, up to just under a half an inch, but never more. Um, but the I what you told me would happen is exactly what happened. So I had all the dots on the board. I had a ton of dots, and I just rotated two hash marks. Uh, I rotated one full rev out before I even started and then started rotating two hash marks, shooting one, two rounds, one round. And then if the other one was outside of that first one, move it again. When two of them touch, try it again, go past that. And you said that the, the, the bullets that were uh, apart from each other that were out, they would clock. And yeah. sure as shit, they clocked. They did exactly what you said it would do. And I found... To, you said it would come right back around on the next rev, probably land in the same spot, and it, it really did. It landed uh, on the same spot one rev out, and it sunk, It just sucked that grouping back down together. And now, I mean, it's shooting every bit of the high point threes on the bad far end and then in, down to you know the low point twos with factory ammunition. And yeah. so it's it's pretty amazing it, it's it's been it's been really cool to get you know I've, I've started getting um messages from people that have them now and have finally gotten time to play with them and and they're all saying the same thing like hey this rifle shot good but this is like really cool like this rifle is hammering now um and, and i'm gonna put up a, a user testimonials actually on the page so the other people can actually see the results that you know people are getting um, and it's been great. I mean, we've had people do it with factory ammo and factory rifles, had people do it with custom rifles that always shot great. But now, I mean, they're just lasers. We put one on um, Tony Baskill's rifle this weekend because he wanted to try one. And, you know, we're dialing it in and I, I took two shots with it. And I'm like, oh, man, that second shot, where the hell did that go? It's a flyer. And, and Tony was like, 
shoot another one. We shot another one and we just saw it open it up. We walked down there and it's like, whoa, like literally those are all in the same hole and came back and, and he shot a group with, I mean, it was his rifle and he shot a group with it and it did the exact same thing. And we, we cut the targets out. Like we, we cut the, tar- the paper off the target backer board to zero range. Um, it's just like, you know, it's one thing to have one person shoot a rifle good, but to have two people shoot the same rifle, like in this equally zero, as good. Yeah. yeah. And it was just really cool. And, you know, I've gotten some messages through emails of guys that have bought them. Um, I've gotten some text messages, you know, th- there's one out now to a, a writer and he's been sending me messages. And so it's probably going to be in one of the upcoming magazines, rifle magazines. Awesome, um, dude. But, but, but again, it's, you know, tuners aren't new. I didn't, I didn't recreate the wheel on tuners. They've been around forever. I just, I made a design that worked for me and the way I figured, you know, PRS or any other shooter would want it. Um, because the way I looked at it was people are generally not going to be willing to send their rifle off and have it gone for a while and pay extra money to try something that they don't know if they've got confidence in, right? And so if they don't, stuck with it, right? And then if they want it on the next barrel, they're going to have to do it on the next barrel. And so a lot of people, I just figured, like, it's not even worth the hassle. I'll I'll do my load development and be fine. Um, And and by all means, I don't say that you shouldn't do load development. And I think the tuner is just, it's an extra tool in the toolbox, right? I mean, it it gives you a little bit more flexibility to do some things. Um, and, And, you know, you can move it from rifle to rifle, but we've all been to that match or, you know, you leave your house and get ready to go to a match and your rifle's just hammering and then you get to the match and you're like, why is it not shooting the way it was when I left? And, you know, with a tuner, you, know, you can dial it back in and, and it's very simple to do. Um, and, you know, that just the, the extra confidence that it gives you, right? I mean, you hear people say, hey, you only need an MOA rifle or a half MOA rifle for PRS. Eh, I don't know that I would agree with that anymore. I mean, if you were at K&M this year, the TYL target at 900 yards, the small one was like maybe a fat 0.2 mils wide. So you're going to tell me you're going to go after that with a half three quarter MOA rifle. Uh, good luck. But, you know, it gives you all that extra, I mean, it gives you extra confidence. You know, if you break one on the edge and it goes off the edge, is it you or is it the rifle? Well, you know? and see, that's, that's where the conversation about the a, a half or a one MOA, one MOA rifle is sufficient for what we're doing. Yes, with, but that is if you, no matter what position you are in, as far as whether it be on your belly, off your belly, uh, standing, uh, nothing, no rear support, are you still a one MOA shooter? to equal that rifle or is the rifle sure in a vice one MOA, but, uh, now you are a two and a half, three MOA shooter that, you know what I'm saying? Because the rifle's not going to shoot itself. So when it goes to talk caveat on your, the confidence, um, point you brought up is that if you know, without a shadow of a doubt that your rifle is anytime you to lay down prone with it, it shoots a quarter MOA. That then, then like you said, then you know if you drop that shot, that was a bad trigger pull or that was a bad wind call. I need to adjust my wind call rather than throwing a perfect wind call on there, breaking the perfect shot, and you barely just burn it off the left edge, thinking, oh, I need to hold right more, and then you shoot right and then poof off the right side of the target. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it's just an extra tool in the toolbox. It gives you a little bit more flexibility. Um, I'll be honest, like I said, um, I was fire form in the last two matches, and, and and I honestly, I did I did zero load development. I couldn't even tell you what I was jumping. Um, I took a couple shots to figure out what velocity I wanted to run with the bullets, and I dialed everything else in with a tuner. And so, I mean, it kind of goes back, I think, Paul Reed, I mean, I've heard Paul Reed say it, you know, when he did his video um, on the tuner that he had, and it was, you know, I mean, we've all seen it before. You get a, a load that has a really low ESSD, but it doesn't shoot that great. So it's like, why? Um, but now if you can take that load that's got a really low ESSD and still tune it in with a tuner and now it shoots great, well, that's just an extra benefit, right? And the, the confidence that it can build for you is, is pretty cool. I mean, it's helpful. Yeah. So, okay. Well, that brings me to my, my next question. Okay. So, uh, uh, Joe Blow buys a brand new rifle. Okay. In a brand new caliber that he has not shot nor loaded for in the past. Let's say Joe Blow just picked up a, uh, a six SLR. No, I don't think really many people are shooting that anymore anyway, but that's just a random one off the wall. There's not a lot of load, not a lot of data out there for it. But let's say Joe Blow picks a six SLR barrel up and it's time to do load development. Okay. He also picked up your tuner. Now, how do you suggest he incorporates your tuner into his load development starting from absolute scratch? I mean, I would say in, in that situation, I mean, you want to make sure that you're still being safe, right? I mean, I, I would say if, if as a brand new reloader, you want to make sure that you're, you understand powder charges, you understand pressure signs. Um, I mean, that's a tough one. I mean. All right. Joe Blow is a confident reloader. He's a, he knows Joe Blow, let's say he loads for four other calibers. He's yeah. got great whatever. But just, just know this is a new one for him, a new a new cartridge for him. So he's going to start low, two grains off of book max, work his way up, or a, a grain below book max, and, and he's going to work his way up. But yet he also wants to incorporate your tuner. How would he go as far as would he just say, hey, I want this bullet to run 3150? And just run a ladder up 3150, find that charge weight, seating depth be damned, and then throw the uh, tuner on, then just basically tune it that way? I'm not going to say that he should, but there's a high likelihood he could. Um, I've taken a number of of charges and literally just pick something, like seat it, don't know what it's seated at, throw a powder charge in there. I know that it's a safe powder charge. Uh, but throw a powder charge in there and go out and shoot just to see if I can dial it in. Like, I don't know anything about this charge weight, but I'm going to put it. I, I mean, I don't know anything about this load. I don't know what it's jumping. I, you know, I don't know what the speed's going to be, but I loaded up 20 of them the same. I know it's a safe charge weight. I'm going to go out. I'm going to shoot it. And I'm just going to see if I can dial it in. And mm-hmm. generally you can. I mean, the, the majority of the time you can. You've got consistent charge weights that are, you know, giving you low ESs and SDs. You, you can dial it in. Um, does that mean that it's the right approach? I, you know, I don't know that the, I, I've got an answer on that. It's, it's an approach you could take. Sure. Um, but like I said, I mean, you, you always want to make sure that you're being safe in the reloading. Like I said, it's just, it's another tool in the toolbox, but I'll say the last, I mean, the last two matches, 
I, I, I did nothing more than pick the speed that I wanted for the bullet and then go out and dial it in. I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. I'm saying that it was possible. Right. And, right. you know, at Pig River in the same BRA rifle, same barrel, I Pig River, I ran 105s at 2950 fire forming and at um, uh, the Sandstorm match this past weekend. I ran 109s at 2,900 with Varget. So I was running 4895 at Pig with 105s. I was running Varget with 109s at, at Sandstorm. And they were both seated the same, and all I did was pick the charge weight, and then I went out and dialed it in. Right. So it, yeah. it provides some interesting flexibility. Yeah, that's, and, that's, and that makes uh, all the difference in the load development portion of what we have to do to, to, to nail down a load that we want to shoot. I was I, actually, I had, I was shooting Dasher, uh, day one of uh pig river and I'm shooting that 2940 <laughs> yeah. with fire formed already fire formed Dasher twice fired brass. <laughs> I know I'm shooting yeah. them super slow with a 27 inch barrel, mind you. So, uh, this my is load is, yeah, yeah, 2950 is smoking for a fire forming to BRA from BR. Yeah, I mean it's it's up there. It's hot, but I mean it was it was running fine. And when I dialed it in, it was one hole, and I'm like, eh, put some water on it, and there was no real pressure. I mean, I know it was it was going you know cruising pretty good, but I mean, actually, when I left here, it was about 2940. And then of course, when I got down there, it was quite a bit hotter and higher humidity. I think it was like 2955 was what I was running in my Kestrel down there after I chronoed it. Um, but it ran. I mean, it it ran fine. Um, I think the BRA is overlooked when people are looking at Dasher. I mean, it's, I mean, I can get the same speeds as Dasher while I'm, while I'm fireforming. And I mean, it runs almost the same speeds fireforming as it does afterwards. And, and those speeds are basically Dasher, Dasher speeds. You know, yeah. I mean, 2950, I think is a money, a money speed for a 105 or a 109, especially a 105. I mean, it's, a, I think, a staple speed no matter Hey, as long as you safely get there, I think yeah. that's I think that's a good spot for that bullet to fly. Um, I I uh, I've always been I've never owned a BRA. I've had I've got a BR and a Dasher. Um, I've always been under the impression that uh, from people that I do know that should be RA that the the window of your node on as far as uh, charge weight is a little bit narrower on a BRA than maybe a Dasher or the BR. It's kind of, since it's in the middle, have you found that to be true or not? I mean, the BR is just stupid consistent, right? I mean, the BR yeah. likes pretty much anything you feed it. You want to buy factory Lapua ammo. It's, it's just going to shoot it. It's, it's the, it's the tortoise. It's going to be slow, but it's going to be consistent. And it's going to run. The, the tune windows on the BRA, from my experience, have been awesome. I mean, they, it's just, it, it likes almost, I mean, it likes pretty much everything you feed it, um, whether you're fire forming or whether you're, you know, running fire form grass. Um, it's great. And, and, you know, I just love the fact that you don't have to do any, you know, crazy brass prep with it to get it where it's at. Like, it's just load and go. You don't have to fall shoulder. You don't have to do any of that. You know, just load it up and go. You can yeah, jump no in. Jam. Yeah, just run it and, and it shoots. Yeah, I does I know a lot of people who shoot uh even uh fire form uh to dasher in matches. I don't know how they do it because I just I was fire forming the other day in my new barrel and my AI 
and I'm uh, shooting 30 grains of Argit like everybody else, but I'm uh, jamming a 95 grain TMK uh, like 30, like 30, 25 or 30 thou. And I, I don't know why I did, but I pulled the bolt back without firing and left the damn bullet in the chamber. Powder went everywhere. I was like, son of a bitch. I'm, I, there's no way I could ever fire for him Dasher in a match. Uh, right. Sitting around, dicking around, practicing, yes, but uh, um, not not in a match because you never know when you got to pull that bolt back and, and not fire it. You know? And I, I've done that more than once in fire form and Dasher. Uh, but BRA, you don't, that's the beauty of my, my favorite thing about BRA is even fire forming, uh, you don't have to jam the bullet. It's just as safe in shooting in a match environment as shooting BR is or, or fire formed brass. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It, it's been cool. Uh, like I said, fire form both weekends. I ran the tuner both weekends, you know, not a single issue, um, I I beat it and banged it on barricades and everything else. It's it hasn't moved. Um, it, it's I, like I said, I'm blown away by the results that that I've seen with it. You know, personally, um, as well as on other people's rifles. You know, that we've put them on or that you know have bought them and sent me pictures or messages saying, "Hey man, yeah. this is this is really cool." Uh, and, and I'm just really happy. I mean, I haven't received a single bit of negative feedback yet on it. Um, or somebody say, Hey, I haven't been able to tune a rifle with it or a load with it. You know, it, I'm sure at some point it'll come, but uh, the, pos- the the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. And some of the results that I've seen on some of the, the barrels have just, I wouldn't even talk about it because people would say, all right, whatever. Yeah. Right. It, but it's been a, it's been a really cool learning experience and, and it's been great. People are really happy with it, which is, makes me really happy. Yeah, and now you, me and you have talked multiple times about it. My my problem child barrel, I have I've got it. I have it screwed. I have the tuner screwed onto that barrel right now up in my reloading room, and uh, I just have to. I I don't have it on my rifle right now because I'm still I sell my dasher barrel on there because I'm still just trying to get rounds down the barrel to break that one in. Because yep. as it sits right now, I plan on shooting the dasher AI. Um, up in West Virginia at the um, war match. Are you coming to that match? Uh huh. Yep. Nice. Nice. Um, yep. But uh, as soon as I've got it 100% dialed, that my load. I don't know how much you've listened to uh, all the past podcasts, but I have a my first dasher is on my John Hancock and the Foundation. I wanted Josh to spin me another barrel. I sent him three pieces of fired brass out of that rifle. I said, I want you to spin one for my AI. I want you to headspace it to this brass. That way I can shoot, in theory, shoot the same ammo equally well, but not only that, but the 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 brass basically headspace the same to where it's no shoulder to bump differences or anything like that. And Josh fucking nailed it to the, I mean, to the half foul killed it. So I've shot a few groups with my actual loaded ammunition that I didn't shoot uh, up at pig river. Um, they shot pretty good, but I still got some, you know, more rounds to get down it before I'm comfortable. But as soon as that's done, that 
that other barrel is going on and I've got to do some loading for it to get it loaded up and see if I can't get that thing shooting bug holes. I've, I've got two barrels that showed up today, uh, on an impact action that I'm probably going to be running at war. So, I mean, I, I got to start breaking those in and, and seeing what they like, but, um, hopefully go pick them up tomorrow and can start putting some rounds through them this weekend. I'm looking forward to getting some time behind the impact and playing with it. I mean, Tate makes a great action. Uh, yeah, he's a good a dude too. He, he's a solid guy. So um, I've been wanting one forever, actually. Uh, so I finally just I was like, all right, let's. I'm gonna go ahead and get one. Um, but uh, yeah, looking forward to it. I'll start playing with that one this weekend. But I'll put a tuner on it. <laughs> um, it Why it's, not? Like I said, it's been. There's no reason not to for me. I mean, it it would look number one. It would look funny if I if I wasn't running one. It's my own product. But number two, like I mean, I, I've I've got such confidence in it. And I mean, the last two matches are, are pretty evident. Like, I mean, it works, right. I mean, you know, I missed, missed a win at pig. Um, and I was positioned to finish better than where I ended up, but I still finished in a top 10 in the last match. Um, and, and I'm not going to say that it's the tuner, but the, the tuner has been really nice to be able to just tinker and dial in a load and you get up there and you know if you want to change it a little you know it needs to be changed a little bit you can um but it it also you know gives that added confidence like this thing and that's the other thing i I mean i haven't said it like yeah you can dial loads in uh but the other thing is like things seem to be more consistent And, and i don't know how to really explain that um but it just seems like everything is more consistent like you know you're you're shooting you're shooting you're shooting you're like oh that one was weird it just seems to be less of those well that was that me or was that the rifle right right um, yeah it just, it just runs yeah and uh now those those two barrels you got there are those both bras as well yeah yep they're two bra barrels uh spun up on an impact well i mean they're they're both for the same impact but right Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you know, I've, I've been there too, where I feel like I've got a load absolutely perfected and I'll shoot 10, 10 groups in a row that are absolutely stellar. And then the 11th one, I'll get exactly what you're talking about. Like, I don't feel like I broke that shot bad. Maybe I did. And you're blaming yourself and it could be something that, you know, that you said was something wonky or whatever. And if, if you can get rid of those, those things, because it, are you going to, are you going to not shoot as good because of that one instance or are you going to, uh, or, or is that going to make or break a match? Probably not, but what it can do, it can plant a seed in your head. Absolutely. Yep. And that's why I say it's just another tool in the toolbox. Like if you could get to a match, I mean, you know, think about it this way. You get to a match and all of a sudden your rifle is shooting worse than what it was when you left. If you can't do anything about that, that might weigh on you a little bit. But if you can, you know, spend six or seven rounds and get it right back to one hole, uh, which one would you prefer to walk off the zero range? To? Yeah, get ready to start day one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I guess it's, it's just another tool in a toolbox and it gives you a little bit more flexibility. It gives you more capability to, I don't want to say fix things, but adjust things when needed. Um, that you otherwise would have to do with a powder charge or a seating depth test or, you know, 
you know, just oppress. your yeah, oppress. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure somebody's doing it, but I mean, how often do those people have their complete reloading room packed in their truck or their car or their RV or whatever, ready to like, Oh man, I gotta, I gotta jump this bullet, another five thousand and take all 250 rounds. And then just, <laughs> no one's doing I, that shit. I know some people that have Wilson's seating dies with them in matches. And I'm, I'm like, sure. all right, that that's overkill for me. But I, I mean, I guess it's no different than, you know, the same thing with a tuner, except I'm, I'm just going to adjust it a couple hashes and spend seven or eight Ooh. rounds and, Hey, loosen settle. one screw and make some turns, and you're yeah. done. What you drinking? And I know for sure. Uh, uh, people will probably laugh. I'm a I'm a big vodka fresca guy. <laughs> hey, it's I've drank vodka fresca a long I, time, dude. I don't, I don't suck down a lot of sugar at night, so it's uh yeah, that's me. I'm I'm vodka fresca, and and everyone can laugh at me about it, but no, I ain't laughing at you. I, I actually highly enjoy vodka and fresca i've actually drank that many a times um but uh tonight in case people are wondering i am drinking wicked weed pernicious ipa 7.3 percent it's a delicious beer uh wicked weed brewery is really cool in Asheville, north carolina too uh dude you need to come to north carolina and you need to spend some time in Asheville. now i don't live there but it's in the mountains you need to go to Asheville. hit up all are you a big beer drinker no, I'm not actually. Uh, I don't drink. I. It sounds like all right. So I, I just, I just get bloated, man. I'll stick to the hard liquor. I mean, I'm usually a bourbon guy, or like I said, if I'm gonna do a mixed drink, it'll be vodka and something. And, and like I said, I'll drink the vodka fresca here at the house just because if I get too much sugar, I'm just miserable, man. I, I just feel like crap. Um, and I feel the same way when I drink beer, man. I just get so bloated, and I'm just like, you know what? I'll just pour bourbon in a glass for me i'm i'm good to go and you know i hear that i I want to like bourbon so bad like it looks that and scotch they look so good in a glass over like a giant ice cube and it looks so good and i'm like i i'm I'm gonna try it i make myself drink it and i'm like god damn it i don't like this shit i want to like it so bad now clearly i'm different like i i like uh, kettle one is my go-to vodka and, uh, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big gin guy. Um, okay. I, I enjoy gin and uh, it's pretty good. I, and look, I, look, people probably make fun of me. I'll drink gin. Uh, I like Irish gunpowder, uh, gin or, uh, I mean, just about any gin is good to me, but that over like the straight bitter grapefruit juice over ice, like the bitterness from the grapefruit juice. And I don't like the real sweet shit. I like the bitter, you know, the non-pink, the the regular, the yellow grapefruit yeah. juice with with the gin, and I fucking love it. It's delicious. Nice. Yeah. So, hey, we've all got our yeah, we do, we do. What is uh, what what are you shooting? I know obviously you, sh- you just you just recently switched to an impact, right? I, you know, honestly, so I mean, going back to you know my comment earlier about if you're not learning, you you're probably missing some things. I like to tinker. I've I've literally had every action for the most part over the years, and it's not because I felt one was better than the other. Um, I just wanted to learn the differences between them and what they felt like. Uh, and and so I mean I've bought and shot and sold and and tried about every you know every, every action that's out there over the years. I think the only one I probably never had would be an AI. Right? I don't think I've ever had an AI action, but um, I just like 
trying everything and making up my own mind. And, and like I said, I mean, I've, I've wanted an impact for years. Um, just fine. was like, all right, I'm gonna buy one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in, engineers, this is what I always say, because I'm actually friends with a lot of engineers. My father-in-law is an engineer. You don't, you don't become an engineer. You didn't become an engineer. You were born an engineer because you're every engineer. I know all you motherfuckers are the same. All your brains work the same exact way. You all have the same type of, whether it be motors, whether it be they like firearms and in, in, in loading, whatever, whether it be any problem or anything, you all like to dissect shit. And that I mean, dissect is probably the best way to put it. So if you've got a kid and your kid tears everything apart to figure out how it works, put them towards the math and the sciences. Yeah. Be an yeah. My, my son, I mean, like I said, my wife's dad is a um, uh, engineer, uh, retired engineer. And just watching him, like in the way he, when it's even if it's about something, if if he's looking at something that he doesn't know anything about, he's like going, he's off in the other room, like looking at it and figuring it out and everything, and then he'll come back to you with it and be like, okay, I, I've got it. Like this does this, and you know whatever. And I, I really, I look at my son, and he's you know about to be five in August, and I already see that. I'm like, yes. He's not he's not going to be horrible at math and hate math like I do. I am whatever the bizarro engineer is in life. That's me. Yeah. I, I, I want to push a fucking button and it just I don't give a fuck how it works. I want it to work. I don't give a fuck how it works. I just want it to work. And I want people smarter than me like you making that tuner. I, I want it to just work. You show me how to do it and I'll do it. But, you know, it's you're you are you are born an engineer and you all y'all are the same. Look, I mean, look at everything in the PRS and how it's evolved. I mean, a lot of it has come from the shooters saying, I don't like this. It doesn't fit what I want. And therefore, somebody makes a one off and then somebody says, well, hey, make another one. And then it goes from there. And, you know. Somebody picks it up. Um, the, you look at all the bags and the different shapes. I mean, the companies weren't just saying, hey, we're going to make this shape. I mean, it all got picked up somewhere. I mean, um, we all looked at what was out there and, you know, liked it or didn't like it or wanted to modify it. And, and we made something, you know, everybody's done something, right? I mean, whether it's somebody 3D printed a part for their rifle at this point, you know, because they, they could. They just wanted something different. And like I said, I mean, that's how the tuners started. I, I just wanted to learn about them. I didn't like the designs that were out there for the way I felt a person would use them, or at least how I would use it. And so I walked out in the garage and I, and I made my own and I'm like, all right, cool. It works. I can do what I want. And it just evolved from there. I mean, I never thought it would be what it, what it's turned out to be. I mean, I'm, I'm blown away oh, by yeah. the positive response that it's gotten and the interest in I mean, I think the the first batch of tuners, granted, it wasn't that big, but I mean, they were sold out in like 35 minutes. I got um, one of them. I got one of the first batch. <laughs> I yeah. might have been the first one to get of the one of the first batch. Yeah, and, and you know, kind of feel bad about that because there were a lot more of them, right? I mean, they 
but the specs on them, they were really tight fitting. So they feel great. I mean, the, the first batch, they feel like they're on bearings. I mean, they're the, the thread they on those after, after the nitride and, you know, with grease there, I mean, they feel like they're on bearings, but after, after they were nitrided, there were a lot of, of parts that just wouldn't fit. I mean, they, they, cause the thread fit was so close. Um, they had a really high rejection rate just, and so had to loosen some things up because, you know, they just, after the nitride, you know, the parts didn't fit. And so, you know, there, there probably would have been, you know, one and a half times as many or twice as many, um, had that not been an issue, but Hey, live and learn. And now there's, you know, there's a ton of them in this batch. Um, but Jesus, and they're selling quicker than I ever could have imagined. Um, but it's been really cool. And like I said, the, the pot, the results have been astounding. Everybody's been super positive. They love them. Uh, there's going to be a version coming for like hunting rifles. Uh, it's already in the works. It's already mocked up and, and it's going to be specifically for hunting rifles for smaller diameter barrels. It's going to sure. be same, same design, you know, just, just a little bit down. longer. Yeah. It's going to be just a little bit longer to keep, you know, the same weight or close yeah, to the same weight. Streamlined, you know, yeah. Yeah, just and it's going to accommodate like 750-ish barrels. Um, yeah, sporter barrels and stuff. Yeah, the, the current one will take up to a 1.05, about two inches behind the muzzle. Um, you know, I, I've I've had a number of requests for an ELR version, and to be quite honest, there's there's so many different thread pitches for the ELR rifles. You know, muzzle specs for them that I'm debating. You know, it's just like just. It's not like yeah. just making one piece, you know, it's, it's, if had to make them one off, um, they're going to get real expensive and, and then it's just prohibitive for people, you know, you know, and, and I want something that's easy and easy to use and it's not, you know, going to be crazy cost prohibitive. Well, the thing about the ELR thing is there's nothing cheap in ELR. I mean, True. there's, there's no, I mean, when you're talking ELR, you're looking at an, an action, you know, this, this damn big and yeah. you know, it's, so honestly, if I think and this is just my humble opinion. If the ELR guys want one and it, it the, the, because you, like the, the point that you made about there being so many different specs and everything, they're going to be more expensive. I mean, shit. Ain't nothing cheap in that game anyway. I mean, they ain't nothing cheap in PRS, but it's scaled up even more so in that. So, Hey, if they want to pay it, you know, let just make them pay it. And they, and I think they will. And I mean, but even so, ELR is such even, PRS is not a it is growing exponentially, but it's not a a giant yet. Well, ELR is even smaller than that because of just what it takes to get into that. Uh, and so, you know, there's you know, if you have if you have 10 PRS shooters, you got two ELR shooters. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's something that's to think a way to look at it. Well, the, the results on hunting rifles and, and thinner barrel profiles with factory ammunition has blown people away that have been running it. And so, I mean, it's the wait a minute. I mean, the results I'm getting here out of this rifle. So they could really benefit from it. Um, Absolutely. I mean, think about the, you know, factory ammo hunting rifle, whether it's off the shelf or a custom hunting rifle, um, you know, I don't know. We'll we'll see where this thing goes. I mean, it's like I said, it's it's been great so far. Um, you know, the results have been 100% positive. You know, the 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 groups on paper have you know 
blown everybody away that you know that's got them and tried them and, and we're talking about people who've got some good shooting rifles um and and it's not just that can you make it better could you make it better with normal load development yeah probably but could you show up to the range with the ammo that you've got in your hand that you know shoots good and and dial it into a one hole you know a one hole rifle maybe not on every rifle but you know the results so far have been really really cool well, I, I don't think I feel safe in saying that I don't think anybody would, if given those two options, would choose to spend hours at a reloading bench and on a range. Spend, I mean, every time you pull the trigger is money. It's, it's cha-ching every time a rifle recoils. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of people that would, if you gave them option A and then option B, I don't think they're going to want to choose that. I think they most people would feel pretty like, all right, well, look. Hell, I, I'll spend on a tuner what I pay for, you know, a, a, an eight-pound thing of powder or less, and uh, yeah. and go with it. And I could put it on every rifle. Yep. So no, I, I, I. I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited about uh, diving into mine more and, and playing with it more. Uh, I, the the small sample set that I have on my six creed more. It, I mean, it's it's obvious. I mean it. There's no more. The proof's in the pudding. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So you you saw you saw a concept and a thing that's been done. Tuners have been done forever. You didn't like the way they work. They they all all the ones that are out there. I don't say all most. They all worked, meaning they all got the same end result. But the means in getting there are are much different. Where the way you designed it, the way you wanted it to be is to where it is much more friendly for the person that yeah. maybe isn't that in in involved with you know doing that kind of thing to their their barrels or all the barrels or one barrel or whatever it may be you know this is something you got a threaded barrel for your muzzle bam this one's for you yep. and it does equally what that one does yep and, and i had a couple key things when i made it i wanted one that i could move from rifle to rifle and I wanted one that I could move from rifle to rifle without having to do any work to that barrel, right? No additional work. I wanted, you know, use the muzzle threads that are already there. I wanted to easily be able to move it from rifle to rifle. And I wanted to be able to use any muzzle brake or suppressor that I wanted, right? Any additional muzzle vice, muzzle device that I wanted. And that was that was the kind of the, the concepts that, that I, you know, was was trying to trying to achieve was all right, I need to be able to make this fit on my rifle, but if I want to move it to another rifle, I need to be able to do that. There's already muzzle threads, so how can I utilize those to create a tuner? And how can I utilize those to create a tuner, but then it also allows me to put a muzzle brake against it or a suppressor against it. And it, it just came up. Now, I'll say that there's one downfall with the current design, and that is, it's not a downfall, it's, it's a feature, right? So to use mine, you're going to want to have a self-timing muzzle brake, that's got the reverse jam nut, right? Which I think the majority of us do, but there's some Most out there. That nowadays. Ways. You know, if you've got a timed brake, you're going to have to shim it, right? To get it to time up correctly and then just crank it on. Um, but it still works, right? I mean, it, it's not a problem. You can put shims on there, but, you know, it, it needs something to sit after it, right? So if you're not going to put a muzzle brake on there and you're not going to put a suppressor on there and you're going to shoot some discipline that doesn't allow them, you're going to have to put a thread protector on there and, and crank it down, right? Um but, Which I don't know anybody who wouldn't do that anyway, regardless of having a tuner on or not. They're not going and shooting with exposed threads. 
they're going they're going to have a they're going to have a, a a threat protector on there to begin with. So it's a moot it's a moot problem, you know. Yeah. And, and so, like I said, I mean, you can move it from rifle to rifle. You can use whatever suppressor you want. You can use you know your muzzle brakes out there. You're not going to have to send your rifle off to get it threaded. You're you know you're, so you're not going to be without your rifle. You, you can put it on your rifle the same day it shows up and put your muzzle brake on it and go shoot. Uh, and if you don't like it. You can take it off. If you want to try it on a different rifle, you can take it off. Um, I'll tell you that I've had a number of customers that have come back and bought two, three, four. There's one guy that's bought like six. And, you know, I say, hey, you can use these and move it from one rifle to the next. You don't have to buy two. And and every time they're like, "Ah, no, I said I don't want to move it. Like, I'm going to leave it on there. move it it's 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 working awesome i'm not moving it, it it's part another. of my barrel now <laughs> yeah i mean the results were just so good for them they're like well why would i take it off i'll just buy another one for another rifle um that's awesome like i, I love it but you don't have to i mean get one yeah. try it you know go from there but um it's it's been great I, i'm really happy to see the results that people are getting with it and, and i hope they keep rolling in so i mean if anybody's listening to this and, and you've got one or you're planning on getting one um Send me your results. Tag me in any posts you make. I'm I'm gonna add like I'd love to add them to the web page, um, and just kind of get like a, a rolling gallery of them going. But um, if you have any problems, I mean, ping me. Let me know. I mean, I'm I work on a computer all day long, so I mean, I'm I'm generally fairly responsive. Sure. Uh, so just let me know. Well, speaking of which, you feel free to whenever this podcast posts, you can put a link to it on your website somewhere. Like, hey, this is a whole in. We're here in an hour and 17 minutes. This is a whole hour and 20 minute conversation on on the product of which you're inquiring about, you know. So feel free sure, to do man. that. Um, but uh, tell us how anybody can get in touch with you, how if they want to purchase one, how can they get one, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so uh, actually good timing because I got about 10% left on my laptop here before it, <laughs> before it died. So um, which happens to coincide with my beverage being about empty. Um, yeah, my beer is yeah, empty. You know. Yeah. So, I mean, you can, you can go out to kinetic security solutions.com. Um, there's videos on my page. You can order them on my page. Um, if you need to get a hold of me, it's just info at kinetic security solutions.com. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty responsive. I think a lot of people know me on Facebook already. So, I mean, feel free to shoot me a message there. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty quick. Like, pretty much everything you need to know is is on the web page or, you know, like I said, if you got a question, shoot me an email. Um, same contact info for the emails on the web page. And let me know if you have any questions. And like I said, if you, if you do, if you get one, you know, friend me. Um, and then, like I said, if, if, you're, if you post results and things like that, feel free to tag me. Uh, I'd love to add them to the page. Yeah. Oh, side note for people listening to this. If you go to the Pig River Precision Facebook page, it's P-I-G-G, River Precision. The video posted from the match was like a, a little highlight reel from the match. Somewhere midway through the video, yeah. you see me and Aaron, crossed. we crossed each other walking between the stages and we fist bumped. And it was a kick-ass, like slow-mo fist bump <laughs> i forgot about that yeah they did catch that yeah it was cool i didn't know he was even standing there and i was actually i was actually the first 
they t- it's like a dubstep song and my the very first shot was me on the very first stage of the day i was prone it coincided with the the drop from the song or whatever okay. like, boom I, and you see all the gas coming out of my break or whatever it was pretty cool it was a cool little video but we had a good time that match i wish we could have squatted up together uh we're gonna have to do that what squad are you in at war do you remember i have no clue i think i'm in eight i think i'm in eight or something like that but hopefully you're somewhere close do you know where you're staying i have no clue yet i I still got figured out i haven't i've been so last minute on on all the matches that I don't know. I'll figure it out. I think I've got, I think I've got a space in somebody's camper, but I, I'm not sure. I'll, You'll figure it, it out. I'll figure <laughs> it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm so used to not knowing plans at all that I, I just get really bad at planning anything anymore. But yeah, me too. I, I'm, I, uh, I employ Jeff in in getting all of our hotel room reservations uh he's like the hotel guru so he yeah. sets all that up i'm like all right where are we staying all right cool so like, i was throwing the money for the room and we're, i'm done yeah uh, i know let somebody else deal with it just just tell me what i owe you and where i'm gonna be at and and how to get there give me the address and i'm i'm fine i'll show up tell me what i need to bring right exactly well, Aaron, we're coming up on an hour 20. It's been an awesome conversation, man. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, kind of last minute thing. I hit you up last night. I was like, hey, dude, I need to do a damn podcast. No I'm worries. Running late. Like I said, I mean, it's, you know, you get a good podcast and, it, you know, get positive reviews and feedback. And it's always great just kind of hanging out and BSing and talking. So, I mean, anytime it's. Anymore, I mean, I, I used to travel 90% for work, and now with all of the COVID, I mean, I work from home <laughs> 100% yeah. of the time. It's a complete flip for me. I mean, I used to stay in hotels 100-plus nights a year easy. Oh, and God. Sounds horrible. Work from home. And so, you know, I wake up on a, a Thursday. I'm like, all right, uh, I haven't shaved in seven days. I've got two different colored socks on. I haven't left the house other than, like, get coffee, like, need to probably go interact with somebody or get out in some sunlight yeah. before. Yeah. It, it's, it's wild. And, you know, now with the, the tuners, I, you know, get done with my day job. I'm usually, you know, working by seven thirty or eight and I don't get off the laptop until, you know, seven, seven thirty, And then I, you know, hang out with the wife for two hours and she goes to bed and then, you know, I'm down in the basement, you know, quality checking things and packaging things and shipping things till 1130 or 12 every night. Um, so yeah, it's this today was a good good break from that. So don't worry, everybody that ordered a tuner, your your stuff's packed up. Um, so if you ordered one yesterday, it's packed up today. It goes out in the morning. So no awesome, man. Well, like I said, I'll uh, I'm looking forward to trying out that tuner on my problem child barrel and and reporting back with you because it is a primo Definitely. candidate for the the effectiveness of of the uh, your tuner. So. We'll, uh, she's on there now. I just got to get the time to screw it on the, the rifle and then go do some shooting with it. But anyway, stay on the line. I'll, uh, go in. That one this. almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, stay on and we'll, uh, we'll end this here and I'll get off with you here in a second. Sounds good.